it's been difficult. Yeah, I mean, last year I was just doing a lot of TV time, a lot of TV attacks yeah. just to show because <laughs> there are a lot of managers and, and a lot of people watching yeah. that race. Um, yeah. and they'll be and they would have been like, who's this guy and just ripping bike gallery, yeah, bike gallery legends. Um, yeah, this time around, it's really nice to know that I can, when I fire my shot, it'll be for tactical reasons, not just to oh, yeah. show myself on TV. So when I'm, yeah, having a dig, it'll be for to try and win the race rather than just, you know, TV time. G'day, legends, and welcome back to the Pressure Room Podcast presented by Zwift. We're back with our first episode of 2024 and episode 88, no less. This summer of cycling, it's going to be a banger. We've got the Australian Road Nationals, we've got the TDU, we've got Cadells, and it opens up the season uh, for the international races we all love uh, later on when it starts to get a bit colder in Australia and warms up uh, in the Europe area. Now, everyone, we've got a big one uh, happening in the next few weeks, okay? We've got our road race previews like in this episode today with Jimmy Whelan, tomorrow with Grace Brown. But in TDU, okay, the two down under, TPR will be back there again live in the flesh thanks to Zwift, who is our third year of sponsoring uh, the podcast as the title sponsor. Um, they'll be bringing us over to TDU, and um, that means quite a few things, okay? We're going to be doing our own Zwift uh, slash TPR ride on the 15th, which is the uh, uh, the Monday during the TDU weeks, the 15th. Look out on the socials for more info with that. It'll be a nice cruisy hills loop uh, with a coffee stop and some wicked giveaways as well. We've got two live pods as well. So if you're in the TDU village, if you're in Radelaide, stay tuned for the dates on those. Uh, one guest TBC, but the next one will be with the Trek team, I believe with Brody and Spratty and some of the men's riders as well. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot happening, of course, TDU-related episodes for you all to enjoy. So it's going to be a banger, and we can't do it without Zwift. So a big thank you to them. And um, yeah, I've got another little bit of merch for you guys coming too, which I'll speak about in a minute. But hey, today's episode, we're talking with Jimmy Whelan. If you don't know who Jimmy is, do a bit of Googling because this man is very, very talented and has had to use the Australian summer as almost like his uh, his shop front, as his display sign uh, for his ability and his power uh, as a cyclist um, to prospective professional teams as he tried to get back into the world uh, the World Tour or the Pro Tour of Cycling following his, um, I guess, departure from EF a few years ago. And now he's with Q36.5. Now, if you don't know about that team, go check out the episode with Doug Ryder uh, where we had the exclusive with Doug just before the team was announced. But Jimmy's back this summer and he's got his pro contract. And I think that he is the one, he's the talisman that can upset Jaco Alula and Plappy's rain at going for the three-peat in the road race and we talk about that inside this episode and a few other things and jimmy gives a really good insight into his training uh what's changed now that he's got back into a pro team and his season and his calendar and some of his goals uh for the rest of the season and of course we talk about the road race uh, itself and, and competitors and, and how the race might be ridden uh a few days here in ballarat but legends, before we get stuck into the episode, we've got a new sponsor, okay? We've got a new sponsor. It's Pro Cycling Kit Sales, okay? Now, 
You might have seen them doing the rounds on Bicycle Marketplace and on Instagram and of course on their website. But what they do is they source kit from only professional riders and current riders. The current riders have all this kit, they may change designs from year to year, they may move teams, and they're left with all this gear, right? That might just go on the bin if it's not given to a few juniors here or there. They source the kit and they sell it to us punters so we can rep our favorite team, our favorite riders team jersey, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, these items you can't buy. You can't buy these items. This is pro issued only. And um, pro cycling kit sales gives you the opportunity to yeah, get amongst this at decent prices too. It's not these crazy $400 pair of Rafa bibs, for example, which, you know, no slide on Rafa, it's good stuff, but it's affordable stuff. You, know, you can get skin suits, jerseys, 100 bucks, 150, and it goes up for more of the rarer stuff uh, that pops up. Because I tell you what, they hustle and they get some massive riders kit, like real top of the wazoo riders, but we can't say who they are. That's the only catch. But anyway, we'll be giving away some kit, We're giving away three kits over the next three episodes. Uh, the next tomorrow's episode with Grace Brown, we'll be giving the kit away and also throughout TDU. And the competition will be done in the comments of our Instagram post for the episode. So look out for that. Must follow us on Instagram and we'll give away a lucky uh, winner um, an issued pro kit, which is going to be pretty special. And if you want to get any of their, their gear, go to their Instagram or go to the website and you could use TPR10 and get yourself um, your favorite riders jersey or ex-professionals for example um, I've got the Corindon Circus CX skin suit from back in the Matthew Vanderpoel days if everybody knows who that kit is it's a beauty all white with a bit of red it is loud and finally legends bike racks of course our summer sponsor at b-i-k-e-r-a-k-r-a-k-z.com you can use TPR20 and save 20 bucks or 20% uh, off these really nice bike racks if you need to sort of sort your bike room out or your pain cave or your outdoor area. Uh, the bikes, you know, the racks kind of swivel and they just tidy the space up really nicely. So I really recommend uh, checking them out. I made a video on YouTube if you wanted to see what they look like. But yeah, use TPR20 and support the podcast through that way if you need some racks. But legends, it's time to get stuck into this episode. I hope you enjoy this one. It's the first one of the year. It's Jimmy Whelan, and I'll see you on the other side. Jimmy, mate, great. Uh, oh, what a great end of the year period for you. Um, you know, I've I've found your story so interesting since you are uh, since you know, you turned pro with EF. 2018, 2017, um, and you just kept battling and just kept battling. And I really liked that, mate, because you have you can't keep doing that, keep fighting, get the contract, putting yourself out there, living over Europe. You can't do that unless you've got like a real solid belief in yourself and your ability. And that's like, you know, when the signs and the stats and the, I don't know, the, the, it's not looking good. But you're backing yourself in. I just love that, mate. It's been really good to see. Yeah, there was um, if you were to crunch the numbers on what I was trying to achieve in the position that I was in, and when you get kicked out of the sport, and yeah, all the odds are against you in a way. Um, yeah. but at the same time, they're not 
because you can kind of strip it all back and still focus on the important stuff. But yeah, statistically speaking, once you're out of the sport, you're kind of Dunsky, as they would say. Dunsky, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't believe I'm in this situation, even just right now, just to be to have been sent the Scott and the training bike and you know, to be sent the the kid and yeah. you know, it's all starting to feel like I'm back back online. Um, yeah. and you know, it might be it was certainly a tough few years. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but at yeah. the same time it certainly taught me a lot of stuff that will make me a better bike rider next year, I'll tell you that much. Well yeah, for um, sure. Um I imagine yeah. you'd be so much less anxious and stressed compared to this time last year that must be so nice so refreshing just to have just not have that cloud living over you of of you know of the whole stress of trying to you know get a new contract it's it's really nice to be training for the nationals and knowing that i've got more than just the nationals to be training for yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah, it is. It is really nice, and but but at the same time, if I look back at last year and the year before, um, from the outside in, you could maybe thought. Yeah, I mean, given the situation, you would think that I'd be highly stressed and anxious and like pretty. Yeah, like. Um, but I was actually surprisingly relaxed and still enjoying riding my bike. Um, so, yeah. and I had to be like that. Otherwise, I couldn't have done what I did over the last two years. That's for sure. Ooh. Oh, that's good, mate. Um, that's. Good. I mean, you kind of have to have, especially in your position, I guess you got to have that. you got to just love riding your bike first and foremost. Hey, like um, that's what fuels everything really. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen plenty of under-19s, under-17s, maybe first, second year, under-23s who, who pack it in um, maybe when they realise they didn't quite have enough to go professional, but then often they stop riding their bikes altogether, you know, and not as many continue on riding and i think it's that real love for just riding your bike fast or slow that can maybe help i don't know you just keep on riding and then still enjoy it even yeah. if it's not going so good yeah i mean a great example of that is my mate nick white who's not chasing it at the national stuff anymore but he's still racing yeah uh domestically and just loving doing the crits and he's in a team and yeah. still loving doing the the local local races that during the week like he just yeah. still loves riding a bike he's a good example of that yeah brenton yeah. jones comes to mind for me exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just froths yeah. it yeah. oh yeah. mate well um yeah i mean how's the preparation going i wondered if you'd if you were thinking about this year doing anything differently as to last year, because you got yourself obviously a very good Nick um, for the, you know, for Portugal as a example. Um, and I wondered if you were going to basically rinse and repeat and, and apply that form you can attain, you know, to next season, or will you try something different or change anything? Yeah. I mean, in, in the context of what I'm training for now, I'm, I'm, train for the nationals to be in good form for the nationals and nice. also to bring that form into the early season stuff. So to go to the camp, now I could be doing the Saudi tour, which is the Alula tour this year oh, or cool. next year. And then also yeah. the, the UAE tour. So See. that's just all I'm focusing on at the moment. Um, I'm on a one year contract, so I want to be hitting the ground running. Yeah. Um, so I want to be performing straight away. So it goes hand in hand, being in nice shape for nationals in the first week of January and just bringing that form across 
So that's the, the immediate goals and that's all that's relevant right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, my, I've got a coach for the first time in two years, so I've actually mm-hmm. had to follow a program and uh, structured efforts and things What's like that. that. Like? So that's been, uh, it's been good. I thought I wouldn't enjoy it actually, but oh, yeah. uh, it's really nice just to not have to think about what I'm piecing together during the week and just to be doing the, doing the lap button. I've certainly noticed that I've been doing similar volume, if not more volume than the last two years. Right. Um, but the days haven't been as difficult. So instead of jamming it, jamming it up every climb that I see, I will be actually focusing on staying in that like upper high zone two, low zone three, um, up and down the climbs on the flats. So more rubbing stone. So that, that's certainly something that's changed a bit. Um, but uh, I've done a few of the crits and some of the the bunch rides here and um, yeah, I'm really happy with how it's going. So uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. And you're right. Like it's great for Australians. The one, the actual one advantage we get um, at the start of the year is particularly those looking to be in decent nick for nationals or TDU is that, it often follows quite nicely into the um, that sort of Middle Eastern block of racing that sort of kicks everything off with, with UAE and, and Saudi, as you mentioned, because it's pretty it's often pretty warm there. I imagine at the same time and hard conditions too, so they kind of go hand in hand training, um, you know, in the, in the Australian summer. And I mean, hey, in the Middle East, there's been some great results from so many Australians have had some good good little stages here, wins here or top tens um, in those periods. Mm. So, I mean, that must be just exciting to race, you know, those kind of races because they put a big show on too, don't they? The the Saudis and the UAEs, like they love to show off all their their stuff on the course, you know? Yeah, and, and for the teams too, I think it's a really important race block because yeah. a lot of the sponsorships are coming from that region. True. So um, that's also uh, a good incentive for the teams to do well but also mm-hmm. the whole idea of uh nationals being too early is almost not appropriate to say anymore because almost all riders are doing a huge block in january in december and they all have their first races in the 20th of jan and everyone's in pretty good nick mm-hmm. um compared to if you compare the fitness for everyone six or seven years ago some boys wouldn't be in form until uh the opening weekend you know yeah so, yeah um, right so yeah like the the team did a camp in in december in calpe and you see all the other teams doing pretty full-on camps with you know 30-hour weeks and um <laughs> yeah the game's a bit different in that regard so yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's just funny how much it's a lot of it has changed yeah just the peaking you know, the peaking for seasons is just completely different to what it used to be. You know, riders can get have a proper real off-season, you know, like the 80s, 90s riders, and then, you know, turn it on a little bit later. But, yeah, mm-hmm. um, if if it's not TDU, it's I think Tour of Columbia's back from memory, so that's in Jan exactly. of early Feb. And yep. um, actually, yep. my, my mate is in Columbia right now, and um, he asked if there's any races on. I'm like... Yeah, Tour of Columbia is back. I'm pretty sure Cavendish is starting there. And like, fuck, I'd love to trade places with him and see, and see a bit of Colombian Cav. That would be elite. That'd be an amazing race to go to. I've heard um, 
yeah, I've heard some pretty good things about that race. Like, Do you remember uh, the photos from the first couple of editions? They were yeah. like four Crazy. deep the whole course. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It'd be really, uh, and it hasn't been on for the last few years. So I'd imagine it's back again. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it'd be nuts to go to that race. I don't think my team's doing it. I'm actually not 100% sure. I don't think they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. Mm. It's, um, you know, Doug Ryder, the team principal of Q36.5. Um, I've always yeah. been a big fan of him because he's often been quite forefront to media. You know, he, he, he's even when he back when he was doing Dimension Data, he was very open with what he was trying to do with the team and and honest. And that made me gravitate towards him early because I was, you know, he would actually say something versus some of the other. You never hear much from other team principals. Maybe Matt White, um, Laferve. But the rest you wouldn't hear so much from, and I liked Doug Ryder. And then I, I talked to him when he first established the team, actually, because he was here for Wollongong. He did this wicked Q and A um, with Keno, oh, okay. and um, just so open. And I can see that Doug is one of those team managers who looks at riders not just at the results. You know, he, he does kind of look at their ability and maybe also their value um, rather than past results. So. Um, have you had a chance to chat with Doug much, you know, throughout since you were signed and, and that sort of stuff took place? Yeah, I mean, just back to what you were saying earlier, Doug's uh, very approachable, both as a fan, as a sponsor, and yeah. as a rider. He's very, yeah. and he, yeah, he's, he's, some managers are kind of hidden away and they don't really approach the media like, like yeah. he does. Um, and he does a really nice job with that. So, but yeah, I I've had contact with Doug um, kind of on and off since I was looking for a contract after EF. Um, yeah. And yeah, once uh, Q three six point five got going at the start of well started piecing together late last year, um, I was hoping to get on the team, but um, just couldn't quite uh, get that spot. I didn't have the the results that I needed in Europe with Bridgeline. Mm -hmm. um and so i just kind of had to hope to win nationals and go from there but we'd had previous talks and he, he was aware of my situation i think a lot of team managers were um mm. and uh i had a few guys within the team who were vouching for me which is really nice of them um and yeah uh he like the team managers these days are sport for choice for riders um yeah. Yeah, like the the top of the sport is so small, and there's more and more guys coming through that are really good. Um, not good for guys that are trying to find a contract because yeah. it's there's you know there's not many chairs in the room and there's a lot of riders. So, um, but yeah, I guess the thing that got it across the line was, uh, yeah, my win of old Portugal, but also I think a key factor of me finding my contract for next year was changing my a, a, changing my agent um mm, so debated, right? I actually, yeah debating cook so he, he did a pretty exceptional job nice. um and he knows he knows Doug professionally and personally so yeah um and yeah baden and was able to communicate with Doug. everything was going on and then i, I got that that win in portugal and that was yeah. enough for baden to work with yep and he got he sorted it out with doug um and uh yeah i mean i it's only a one-year deal but um yeah just to be able to be back online it's incredible uh yeah it's crazy 
Yeah. Um, oh, mate, you're going you're gonna to rip that opportunity in half. It's going to be excellent. You're going to have such a good yeah. run, mate. And, um, yeah, and, like, for for there might be some listeners who know who don't know what the Volta Portugal is. They must, you know, they think, oh, yeah, just another, you know, weird sort of second-tier race. But the, the Volta de Portugal has, like, a a funny reputation, like the riders who the level is very high. It's just the very, mm-hmm. very high. And um, usually no, like, Anglo-Saxons usually do well there at all because it's they're all right in super good form. They're locals, you know, they're, they're altitude. They're already at, you know, they're born at those places, those sort of heights as well. So the race is, is tough. And to win the Queen stage there, and not to mention you had some bad luck with, you know, just during the race with the with your bike fit and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that race is, yeah, worth having to Google. It's got some, you know, it's got some interesting history behind it, but it, nevertheless, it's fucking hard. <laughs> it's, they could race. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and hot too. Yeah. I mean, I came I came to that race with uh, about eight weeks of altitude in eight weeks. a three-month three block. Right. Um, and I had a flawless preparation for it. Oh, um, and, yeah, I came to the Volta Portugal and I was in very, very good form and I knew I could try and go for the GC or I could definitely try and win a few stages. Um, yeah. And I knew that if I could win that, that Queen Day, I definitely I circled that in the race book um, and, yeah, managed to pull it off. Um, mm. And everyone knows that the Volta Portugal is, yeah, people. some people call it the fourth Grand Tour. Yeah. Um, and like the numbers that I was doing in that race was world tour stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're doing it in the heat too. That's right. And after long days. Um, yeah. And these boys too, they, it's their local, they're on, they're on their, they're on their local roads. So we go so fast. Yeah. So even on some of the descents, we're going down some climbs and, you know, the guy, the boy in the front, we're doing it with his eyes closed because he's done it 25 times. Um, and I'm this Aussie lad just hoping that, that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, yeah, but but yeah, racing in Portugal. It's I I didn't sign. I spent three months after the nationals just training up in Andorra at altitude without a without a contract, and then I actually got in touch with um well the director of uh Glass Drive, Glass which is a Portuguese yeah. team that I signed for. Yeah, he got in touch with me on Instagram, just a simple DM asking how I was going, and uh, it went from there. Wow. So it was certain, certainly, uh, yeah, uncertain times. Uh, yeah. But I'm so glad that I took that punt and, you know, went to Portugal, met everyone um, and uh, had some, some good races with good equipment and good people. And I knew from there that if I could just focus on my altitude training and rock up to one of these races in good form, I can get that result. It'll get me back at the pro tour or yeah. the world tour level. And it worked. Yeah which um yeah it's cool you never forget the people that um give you that early chance you know or they give you an opportunity when you don't have much on the table at the time you know you never forget those people eh? no yeah there's there's a guy called ruben and and his father carlos they run the team yeah. and they took a punt on me it was a it was a win-win situation for both of us yeah um and yeah, uh, I can't thank them enough. Yeah. Um, and and even this time around for for Doug to give me a, a contract, 
Yeah. That was, I mean, I, I filled the final climbing spot or the second last climbing spot, and he was choosing between myself, who's on a continental team, versus you know, seven other guys that are on pro tour and world tour level. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's like seen beyond my license. Uh, mm. So yeah, and as you said, you Doug kind of sees guys for for their story and who they are, and um, yeah. But then also, I think I've shown over the last, constantly over the last two years, my power when I'm going well is oh, yeah. still really, really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you do you still have any of the glass drive kit? Absolutely, I do. I kept every piece that I've got. Um, yeah, the yellow the yellow shorts with the the yeah. yellow jersey is pretty iconic. I can show you if you want. If you want to have it's a look. good. Yeah, yeah. I've got it hanging pretty close by, so. And you got some um, pretty sweet photos too in the kit from that from Portugal. It's some nice crisp ones you can keep. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, going to the wardrobe. Oh, have a look at it. Is that the skinny? It's pretty. It's one of my favorite. This one's going to be. Oh, oh, oh mate, and the sponsors too. You just love that glass drive Q8, and any color. Is that what it is? Yeah. So oh, that's the, that's the that is a ripper. Yeah. That's the Roubaix suit. Nice, <laughs> the Roubaix with the zip. Yep. Um, yeah. So Glass Drive is a yeah car windscreen company. Oh it's shit! A massive European company, and then any color do aluminium, and then Q8, uh, kind of like a shell, um, right. petrol. So, nice. um, Good mix. that's yeah. So mm. yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, speaking of form, let's get to nationals because um, otherwise we'll never get to it. We've got so much to talk about. Road Nats can't bloody wait. Can't wait. Mm. Love everyone, all the Australians and all the Europeans listening too. You guys love Road Nats because it also gives you something to watch in January, um, however you get to watch it. But last last couple of years, 2022, that was, fuck, that was such an exciting race. Um, but... 2023, you were riding like a madman, like a madman. But it was a different scenario. If everyone would throw their minds back 12 months from literally yeah, to almost 12 months, you were at the front in the early moves, you're driving it, you're trying to split it up, thin it out, you're having to show yourself to any team managers, other riders, everything. Put it on the big stage and just let everybody know how much power you got and how you can race. Um, and you still had a great result ninth. And, um, you know, this year you've got that security, that little bit of a security blanket that you said is there. Even though it's only one year, it's still, you know, a better position than last year to be in. Um, I really think that you've got a fantastic chance to upset the – or be one of the riders who can really give it to to Green Edge. Um, yeah. Or Chaco, Alula. Um, so it must be nice to come into nationals just with a little bit of a – you know, you've got a bit more options as to how you can race. Yeah, I mean, the last two seasons at the Nationals, it's it's been difficult. Yeah, I mean, last year I was just doing a lot of TV time, a lot of TV attacks yeah. just to show. Because <laughs> there are a lot of managers and a lot of people watching yeah. that race. Um, yeah. And they'll be, and they would have been like, "Who's this guy in just bike out. gallery?" Yeah, bike, bike gallery, gallery kit. Legends. Um, yeah, this time around, it's really nice to know that I can, when I fire my shot, it'll be for tactical reasons, not just to oh, yeah. show myself on TV. So when I'm 
yeah, having a dig, it would be for to try and win the race rather than just, you know, TV time. So that changes a lot. Um, yeah. My race tactics for for the following weekend. So um, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, yeah. Jaco have worked out that if you can't beat Flappy by him, yeah, um, no, no way. <laughs> um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's always a really complicated race. Um, yeah, I think it might not be as hot as normal. We'll see. I'm actually I'm actually not 100 percent sure. Really? Um, Bloody Ballarat. The, the last two editions have been quite, uh, yeah, quite hot. So that actually makes the race really simple because I'm good in the heat. Yeah. So often guys will just uh explode yeah. early into the race and then yeah. you're only racing against half the guys that you normally would um so it'll be interesting it'll make for an exciting race if it's not as hot there'll be more guys involved um mm. so that's a factor but then yeah i'll have two teammates this year which will be awesome and i think we'll be going well so uh we've got damien Halvin and cyrus monk oh, and cyrus too yeah very good yeah it's not a bad little trifecta yeah yeah so we've we've got enough numbers to play play cards mm. but not enough numbers to have to control the race which is yeah. perfect even if you had uh, 20 runs though it's still <laughs> it's on yeah. the blue it's on yeah. team blue yeah um and it'll be it'll be interesting um it's really difficult to say what's going to happen um still going to see what who jaco turn up with too like you know i was thinking about this with i think i Plappy and i were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and I was. I said to him, I was like, I don't think Matthews is riding, but if he was riding, I actually think that makes Luke's chances less, you know, because like imagine yeah. that yeah, 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 yeah. group of eight, you know, and then Green Edge want that jersey. They want it so bad for the men's and women's. If you got eight riders and you got Platt and Matthews, I mean, the safe bet is just roll it in with Platt and let Matthews you know, pump everyone on the line. So, yeah. but I don't know. I haven't heard anything that if he's racing. So, I mean, they've got Caleb too. So, oh, shit, they've got Caleb as well. That's right. Yeah. That's basically the same thing as Matthews. And if Caleb's in form, yeah. he will be climbing better than just as well as the front group will be. So, yeah. Um, I forget about that. Yeah. yeah. I, hope Green, I hope Green Edge race super defensive. And just use all their boys, and then come five laps to go. They've only got two workers left, and then mm. and then it's a uh, party time for everyone else. Oh, so, those last oh. two laps, right? <laughs> They're like the most important. Like people think the yeah. second lap is important, the last lap is just as yeah. important. And you know, yeah. as someone else has said, um, you know, it's a big contest about eating, drinking, uh, staying cool as well. If it's hot, yeah, um, massive factor. Yeah, the it's something that people still don't do properly i think is the i mean the last two years it's been hot so the heat stuff has been really important like you need more than just two feeders yeah um so yeah it's a it's a game of even if it's 27 degrees and sunny on that highway it'll be 35 yeah so yeah and yeah just because it's so early in the year a lot of guys don't have that uh like after a certain amount of calories after a big day the legs really do disappear pretty quick yeah um but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting um if i'm at the front of the race up the road if i'm um if i'm in the peloton then 
to, to be honest, it's a win-win situation for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to win a kick though, so um, <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And just for those who haven't been to the Bunning on Circuit before, it really is a fantastic circuit for any racing. Like once Nationals leaves Victoria, I'm sure we'll come back, but they should just host some sort of race on that anyway. Um, keep it going. It's so good. But for those who haven't been, uh, Mount Bunningong, the climb, it's orientated where like the sun, you know, goes over it the whole time. So once it hits the afternoon, yeah, the sun is just baking that <laughs> the climb. The hardest part of the race is also the hottest. So that climb is really to where the wheels can fall off. You know, and it's 16 laps. I mean, that's brutal. And it's it's kicking off at the start and as we saw last year, you know, there was like four groups on the road at one point after the fourth or fifth lap. And it was actually hard trying to figure out what was happening in the race, to be honest. And I was fucking on the stage. So, um, yeah. yeah. But I want to ask you this one, Jimmy. The, the I mean, there's been a lot of um, different types of riders who've won nationals. But um, I don't know. Do you think there's a, a certain attribute of rider, like a type of rider, who just really is in the worst position. Like for me, I feel like it's someone like Ben O'Connor. I think he'll find it, even when he's in top, top, Nick, so hard to win that race. Um, I mean, just that pure, pure climber. I think that's the one attribute of a rider who's probably got the least chance of of, of winning on that course, you know? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think in Ben's case, um a lot of it's a reflection on like the team wanting going well for the Dauphiné and the idea of Ben being in form in the first week of January completely conflicts the team's objectives for Ben. Yeah. So I think that's a key part more so like if he if he had his Tour de France form at Bunignon, yeah, different he would rip everyone's legs off. So that that's a dynamic that's good point. Important yeah. to um but yeah, you are right the the climb's not hard enough. It's still 35, 30k an hour when you're going hard. Um, so it's easy in the wheel. Um, the type of climber that's really dangerous is, yeah, a guy like Puppy who can suffer on the climbs and then still has that horsepower on the flat to get away. Yeah. Um, so, like, f- for me, my training in preparation for nationals, I actually don't f- worry about getting climbing fit. I more worry about getting good on the flat whilst also still being really efficient on the climbs. Really? Um, so the thing that eats into people's legs in the Nationals, I find, is, yeah, the the back half and all the attacks coming to the uni. Um, and, I mean, for me, the climb itself is a simple part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got to, yeah, get good at doing crits um, and not worry about being super-duper light. Um so yeah. yeah so that's yeah i mean the i mean yeah i'm not going to lose the race on the climb um yeah but i just need to trying to follow someone like luke Durbridge's attacks or puppy's attacks on the flight i've got to be uh mm-hmm. spending some time in the aero position on the flight doing some efforts so yeah. otherwise i'm otherwise i'm toast very so. very good i love i love hearing that that's because the bit through yeah. the uni and that yeah, the sort of false flat after the top of that, let you know, when you turn left up, bunny on, and you get over the steep bit, 
that's the real chess part of the game, isn't it? When you've only got 10, 12 riders left, that's the real yeah. chess part. And and also where you need that that real horsepower because yeah, you need it. You need the good like twenty second in the saddle. Yes, power, yes. which is what a lot of the track guys are really good at. And yeah, Puppy's yeah. obviously good at track. I think um, Kel he came second in yeah. twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty one. Yeah, um, and he showed there that he could get over the climbs, but then mm. with his horsepower on the flat, he's super yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, and I think also, yeah, it gets complicated for someone like Caleb. He's just hanging on all day. <laughs> but then on the climbs, when guys like myself uh, see that we've got someone like that still in the group, we can go turbo on the climb and try and get rid of him. So yeah. that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Um, so, like, if I would see that, He's on the limit, and when there's three laps to go, and Jacob are trying to do a false pace on the climb, then it would be in my interest to try and open up the race a bit and see what happens, mm. um, rather than just following. Mm. Do you um, what do you think about the? What's your opinion on the national circuit? Do you do you like that it's been in Ballarat the whole time, or for the last seventeen years, or and would you like it to stay there, or because it's not? Um, it might come back though. I hope it does too. But do you like it being shared around? What's your opinion on that? I certainly don't think it's fair that it's always in Victoria, right? Um, but I think the the course itself um, is fantastic because again, everyone thinks they have a sniff. Yeah. If a sprinter yes. can get into form, yeah, and just suffer on the climbs and yeah. get to that group, then they can win it. Yeah. Climber, they can get into form and think they can ride away from everyone, then they think they can win it. And a, and a big all-rounder can win it. Um, like uh, 80 plus kilo guys have won on this race. So yeah, uh, it's it, I think it's a great course in that regard. Um, but yeah. it definitely does need to be shared around. Mm. Um, and it would be nice. I think uh, I've heard that maybe it'll be in Perth. That's the talks. That's the, the chat at the coffee shop. Yeah. Oh, gosh. yeah. Um, so that'd be cool. Um, and after seeing the footage that you put together from the puppers yesterday, it certainly <laughs> yeah. will have a few people watching. Oh, did um, you see those? You know that shot where I sort of showed the the crowds on one of the hills. Yeah, it's crazy, mate. Crazy. That is that is where the. Um, I mean, it, we'll find out. It will be announced in probably on the last day of the road race where it will be. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's looking. You know, WA looks looks good uh, for two years. Uh, City of Perth, they have the one tended the application and it will include king's park because that's our big tourism you know massive asset that's in the city of perth and that climb is uh that had all the crowds on it for the box and pups video mm. um or like i imagine that will be the main you know circuit <laughs> yeah. and that'll be the bunning yong um so and it'd be cool to do it around a big city too yeah um, yeah and you know a a blue sky day in, in Perth, it's 40 degrees. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. We'll see. I think I would like to see, Jimmy, they do like a three and one. Um, and, you know, this is difficult because, you know, um, the one reason the reason why it's been in Ballarat for so long is because City of Ballarat love it. They love events. 
the whole town love events. They didn't at first, but now they do. And and Fed Uni and the mayor, um, Des, Des Hudson, I think his name is, um, they love events. They know what it means, you know, what an event, a huge event like Nationals can do to a to a town like Ballarat or a city and, and in terms of the economic development. And um, yeah, I'd like to see a three and one. So maybe three years Ballarat, because they just love it. All the businesses are around it. And then one year. Yeah in another state and maybe it stays in that state for four years so that there's a bit of continuity with the events team, with the city it's in, you know, the sort yeah. of actual council it's in. Because it is tough. And, you know, now that Ballarat's um, not having nationals at least for the next few years, they're doing the national CX. So we had CX nationals this year. Um, and they're mm. doing a marathon as well. So the Ballarat marathon. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be the big yeah. thing. And you've done you've done a bit of running before, and it used to be was running your yeah yeah running's my running's my like side hobby. I love following it, love listening to it. I love uh, I'm still very much up to date with what's going on in the running world, both in Australia and internationally. Um, yeah, I spend a lot of time riding by myself, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, and sometimes yeah. um, the riding podcast can be too much riding, so I just listen to running stuff instead. Um, yeah. But yeah, I used to run. So, and in my off season, I really enjoy getting the shoes on and um, basically waiting till I get injured and then getting back on the bike. <laughs> that's sick. Uh, yeah, that's wicked. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, look out for that Ballarat Marathon, everyone. If you want to jump on that, I think I might be there for that. Actually, they got the big. Um, is it Steve Montgetti or Montagetti? Exactly. He's oh, yeah. He's he's going to be yeah. the big the big star. Yeah. Um, okay, last one. Um, then I'm gonna try and think of God, we've got so much to talk about. Oh, actually, how about the Scott bike? What are you, what are your early thoughts of the Scott bike now? And what were you riding? Did you, what was the glass drive bike? Because you said it was good equipment. I remember reading about it, but you didn't actually mention what the bike was. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been a lot of big brands now, so I feel like I can actually, yeah, compare. A lot of the frames and a lot of the wheels and tires and etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah. so i wasn't on a canyon uh cfr aeros was that class drive uh, yeah that was class drive oh, nice. um and then the previous year on team Bridgeline, i was on a specialized yeah uh when i was racing on the for bike gallery at the nationals i was on a specialized and then i was on a cannondale before that yeah i was on a giant before that um and yeah, now I'm on the Scott for the first time, and it is really fast. Um, and I'm and I'm not paid to say that yet. It's still December. That's true. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, it is it is a really impressive yeah, bike. And you hear it from it. There's some bikes in the bunch in the professional races where some guys go, "Yeah, that's a good bike." Like, yeah. and that this one gets a nod. Yeah. Um, and it's surprisingly light too for a mm-hmm. full blown aero bike. Full aero um, rig, yeah. With like seven point one kilos with the race wheels, um, so was that for a fifty six? Yeah. Are you a fifty six for fifty four um, on this bike? Wow! Um, I could I could run fifty six, but a lot of the people these days they run a slightly smaller frame, right? If they can, yeah. Um, did you just a quick one? I meant to ask it earlier. Did you sort out? Have you not had any of that reoccurring issue you had um, during Portugal? You know, with the leg, you had a bit of an issue with your leg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to put it simply, I was basically running my saddle height too low, oh. uh, too low and too far forward. 
Um, oh, yeah. So I was basically too close to the bottom bracket and my pelvic tilt wasn't in the proper angle. So I was kind of it was like I was sitting on the couch in a way. Oh, um, it's a really so, you know, when you, yeah, when you sit, sit down and you're kind of lazy with your posture, I was doing that on a bike. Mm. Um, and that means that your glutes and hamstrings stop working. Um, and that can cause a few pinch points. And basically I got a really tight ITB, which caused pressure around the nerve, the femoral nerve in my hip. Oh, shit. Um, and so basically if I would ride above threshold on a climb after, after a while, my ITB would start getting super tight. And, uh, yeah, when your glutes, which are one of the strongest part of your life, aren't working properly, then you're going to run into all sorts of issues. Um, so, yeah, I've since had a bike fit. So with with Ken from Sync Ergonomics. And, oh, uh, good man. Yep. He's, he's been able to sort out. Yeah, he saw me on, on the bike and he goes, mate, you've, your saddle's too low. Um this will solve that. This will get your hamstrings going again. Glutes. It's taken a little bit of time. Yep. Um, bit of gym. Yep. Just to retrain everything because I, I basically spent four months riding in the wrong position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I because I was still riding really well. I, I didn't really think much of it. I was still putting the power out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look at photos of me in the Volta Portugal, I look quite hunched. Um, and yeah, just a simple change, and all it was was like a one. So, well, eight mil difference in saddle height, which eight. some people don't understand, which eight is mil. quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shit. But, uh, yeah, so it's been resolved since, which is really nice, yeah. and I haven't had the, any any problems with doing the crits. Yes. Um, if I had just got my new bike and not done gym and stretching and really respecting my body, I'd be talking to you today with the same problems. So. Oh, um, right. That's where the professionalism, your professionalism, you know, and that you're not leaving yeah. it stone unturned, mate. I love it. That's so good. Um, the main, the main crux of it was I, I got a new bike very close to the Volta Portugal. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I did like a twenty-five thousand meters of vert uh, three weeks in a row in Andorra in this position, so I got used to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but uh, yeah, now. Yeah, now I'm well aware of this, and um, it's amazing how much better I feel with my glutes actually working again. So good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear that you got a clean run yeah. uh, for Jan. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Well, um, yeah. Jimmy, we'll wrap this up. I, you know, I want to say I really want to thank you for coming on. It's awesome. I'm a big fan and um, uh, super super keen. We're all super keen to see um, you give it your best shot in 2024 and I'll um, mate I'll see you in Ballarat yeah well uh, fingers crossed touch wood and yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see you in Ballarat That's another episode of the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, the first one of the year. Big thanks to Jimmy Whelan. Big thanks for you guys for listening. Zwift, Pro Cycling Kit Sales, Bike Racks, of course, our sponsors. Look out on the 15th of January. We've got our group ride at the TDU. We'll have our live pods coming. And tomorrow, we've got Grace Brown chatting about the women's road race here in Melbourne.